Welcome to Chat About, sponsored today by Bemidji Chrysler Center and First National Bank Bemidji. The mayor of Bemidji, George Prince, joins us prior to Monday's city council meeting and discusses all the key topics coming up for the city council. That's next on Chat About. George, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kev. Happy to be back here on a nice fall Friday. Yeah, and, and you had a really cool thing that happened this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but uh, it's, a, it's a busy time of year, usually for government entities. I know County Board, when I was talking to them, are talking about taxes and levies and all that, and, and you guys have to deal with that same thing, too, off the top. We do, and we've been in a lot of conversations about the levy. We've actually had some additional work sessions on it because it's been a challenging year. And so at our last work session, uh, we really had three council members that were very supportive of what staff had brought forth, which was over 11% uh, levy increase. We had three council members, including myself, that were um, not supportive and, and one that was kind of a little bit in the middle. And so there was a lot of conversation that went on and, and finally through a little bit of savings reduction that was found in a payment that we found out was actually $50,000 less than we thought. Um, the proposed levy was decreased to 10.65, which then kind of moved that middle person to a place they, they believe they could support. So by consensus on kind of a 4-3, it wasn't an actual vote, but just conversation, um, it moved forward. And at Monday's meeting, it'll get voted on. And so uh, that's what will set the preliminary levy, which is set in September. Mm -hmm. The final levy is set in November, but the way this process works is once you set the preliminary levy, you can't increase it, but you can decrease it. However, when you get your property tax statement, you know what you're going to see? Yeah. The preliminary levy, yeah. right? Yeah. So in the history of the city council, it's not been very often when we have reduced it in December. And so I can't say for certainty that that wouldn't happen here. But I suspect that whatever we as a council pass on Monday, it'll be pretty close um, as to, in terms of what will be the final levy. And so, um, as I said, it'll be an interesting conversation. And, and we're faced with the same situation many households are, Kev, where our costs are increasing primarily due through inflation. Mm -hmm. And so costs more for staff, costs more for gas, costs more for repairs and, and so forth. But, um, you know, we're proposing about $1.7 million in, ex in uh, additional spending, which would include two new firefighters and two new park workers, which definitely will be a good thing for the city. Not, not going to argue that. Um, but the result is 10.65%. And we did get an increase in LGA, which is direct funding from the state, of about 300000 So when we're going to spend an additional $1.7 million, Basically, uh, 800000 of that is covered in previous increases to revenue, including that LGA, and the remainder is the increase, which is what you're looking at here. And so in our conversations, I, for example, propose that maybe we do one firefighter and one park worker as opposed to two this year, just simply to, to try to keep the costs under control. And so, you know, that's a matter of opinion, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of providing essential service and those kinds of things. And so... You know, it's, it's tough, tough stuff, but, but Kev, as I was walking into this, I thought what would be interesting would be to do just a little analysis on my own property taxes. Okay. Have you ever taken a look at yours over time? I have, and yeah. then I, it hurts too much, and then I, I quit looking at it. <laughs> so I bought my current home in 2014, Okay. right? So I compared it to 2023, the most recent year that we have information on, and the year I bought it. So when I bought the house, Kev, my house was worth $182,200 in terms of what it was assessed at by the assessor. 
last year in 2023 it was assessed at $314,700. That's an increase of $132,500 or 72% increase in valuation. Okay. Now, I did not build a garage. I did not add bedrooms. I did not do anything. I replaced some appliances, some carpet, and built a shed okay. in that time. So in nine years, it went up 132000 Beltrami County taxes, I was paying 1005 in 2014, paying 1620 in 2023. That's a 61% increase over nine years. Okay. The city, 864 is what I used to pay. I now pay 1380. That's a 515 increase, 59.69. I could go down the list. You know, we've got the district in here and mm-hmm. solid waste and all of those things. Bottom line was in 2014, I paid $25.98. Now I pay $39.44. It's a $13.46 increase over a thousand bucks, 52%. Okay. So when I look at numbers like this, again, I can't tell you, hey, I'm representative of the entire population, right? But, you know, when these types of increases happen, I think that's why when citizens are saying, I'm being taxed out of my home or I can't keep up with property taxes, it's because their wages aren't keeping up with the same increase in taxes. So, you know, speaking for myself, did my wages go up 52% in nine years? That'd have been really great. Yeah. But it oh, yeah. But it didn't happen, right? So I, I think that's when I hear people expressing their concern about taxation. That's what I hear. And of course, you know, as we're going through this, the city's a part of it, county's a part of it. You know, the school district's a part of it, et cetera. And it just kind of compounds over time. So when I look at a 10.65% levy, again, just speaking for myself, that compounding fact isn't lost on me, especially for those citizens that are on fixed income, who may be on disability, who may be receiving Social Security, who may have limited retirement funds, whatever that looks like. Um, Because I'm pretty sure people on those types of resources didn't get a 52% increase over nine years. Right. 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 Um, so it's it's a serious conversation. I, I really just want to make sure people are aware and engaged because when you open up your property tax uh, statement here in September and you see it and you go, oh, right, uh, that's mm-hmm. not when you want to find that out. You want to be aware and involved that these conversations are happening at the city, at the county, et cetera, so that you're well informed. And ultimately, it, it does cost money to provide essential services, costs money to run government. Uh, the question always is how much and in what areas. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's always personnel is always going to take up a big chunk, yes, as it, it should, as it should. I, I don't really have a problem with that. What are the other major drivers in the last year that maybe have changed? Well, I, I think just departmental overall budgets, right? Um, what were we paying for gas three mm-hmm. or four years ago versus what we're paying now? We have uh, law enforcement and firefighters that are fueling up cars and trucks and, and running around, right? What is a replacement tire cost now versus what it used to? What is a pen, right? So you go down all of those things and you need those basic things for your departments to run. That's going to drive some of your spending. As I said, we've added additional personnel. You know, if you're going to add two new firefighters, that's above and beyond the cost of living increases and steps that you're obligated to give your existing staff. There's also those two new park workers. So if you want your parks to look better, you want some of that stuff, you got to have people. If you want your fire department to be properly staffed and respond the way they need it, you may need more people. So that's that's a piece of it. And then also we made a 5% wage um, adjustment at the end of this, or excuse me, at the beginning of this year, because we did a salary study that told us we were way behind and we were losing people, specifically law enforcement. And so in a profession like that, where it's getting harder to keep people, 
retention starts becoming really important and you've got to make sure your wages are competitive because if they're not, those law enforcement officers are going to go work for the county. They're going to go work for the state. They're going to go work for other municipalities. And it's getting harder and harder to find those folks. I mean, walk mm-hmm. around town, whatever the profession is, right? Yep. People are looking. So, you know, that was a piece of it. So um, it, there, there is, like I said, a lot of conversation around what do you want? What do you need? Where is the right balance? Because on the one hand, I want to support our staff and make sure they have the tools and resources available to provide what we need to provide to our citizens. And on the other hand is what can a citizen afford? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to find that balance. And, you know, seven of us on the council, we all have a different idea of what that balance is. All right. Wow. Well, that's uh, – and again, that's uh, going to be voted on when? Monday. Monday. Yeah. Okay. Preliminary levy. What are you hearing from citizens about this? Uh, I was just having breakfast at Minnesota Nice before I came in here, and I was sitting next to a couple talking to them. And they were expressing to me how concerned they are about inflation. You know, they were telling me that they're just a couple, no, no kids. And they were talking about, you know, I go into the grocery store, I come out at $75 now. It used to be $50, yeah. right? And I'm having a hard time keeping up. So we weren't talking specifically about the levy or property taxes. But as I talk to citizens, I definitely know just the cost of living, inflation. I hear a lot about that. And I also hear some concern about the county jail project. Um, you know, whether that's going to end up being on property taxes, whether it's going to be a sales tax, is that going to go or not? And, and granted, it's not a city project, it's a county project, but I hear a lot of conversation about that. And I think, you know, probably most families right now are making adjustments to their budgets, they're making cuts, they're sharpening their pencil. And so, you know, as mayor, I feel an obligation for sure as a city that, that we do that. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, you know, I think we've made some good progress. The Sanford Center is a, is a prime example of that used to lose $450,000 operating. Last year, that was down to 175000 Everything we're projecting for this year is that it's gonna be similar. So now suddenly, when you don't have to provide that extra two to 300000 that goes back to your budget to use for other things. And in fact, we did cut uh, that deficit and we were using those dollars as part of this overall uh, budget. So you know, you're trying to find those efficiencies in what you're currently doing, um, but it's definitely challenging. Oh, yeah. Well, another thing that's challenging is cannabis. It's legal in Minnesota. It's legal, which means it's legal in Bemidji, but we're still trying to wade through everything that that it's going to mean for this this community. And I know there's a lot of things you got to figure out more down the road um, because you got to determine who's going to sell it, how you're going to license that, where it can it be sold, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, there's a, a fair amount to figure out, and we just held a, a listening session not too long ago. <laughs> to determine whether citizens believe we should or shouldn't consider having a city-owned dispensary, whether or not if we had a cannabis event, whether people should be allowed to use it on site. You know, the example I use a lot is a trade show, right? If the Sanford Center had a cannabis trade show, would it be okay for people to sample the product there? (laughs) Those kinds of things. Um, So, you know, just got some preliminary feedback on that. And then a a while back, the, the council had before it the opportunity to add a little bit more enforcement in regards to using cannabis in public spaces. And we had a first reading of a proposed ordinance, and when it came to the second reading, by a vote of 4-3, the council opted not to add additional regulation. 
And so for me, I was on the losing side of that. As you know how it is, Kev, you don't win them all. Mm -hmm. Um, Simply because I was concerned about marijuana smoke and marijuana odor and it becoming a problem for people with asthma, for it being a nuisance uh, for others. And so um, nevertheless, the the council, uh, the majority felt that because uh, cannabis was so new and there hadn't been a lot of complaints about this, that it would be overreaching perhaps to, to start this right away. And so, um, so we didn't. So, you know, right now in the city of Bemidji, if, if you want to smoke uh, on the street, you can do that so long as you're obeying the Clear Air, Clean Air Act, which means you got to be within certain feet away from the entrance to a building and those kinds of things. You can't smoke in a building, obviously. Sure. Uh, but you can smoke in our parks, um, you know. And, and so I had kind of a tough time with that because it doesn't really parallel our alcohol laws. You know, you can't walk down the street with an open bottle. Uh, you can't do that in a park, so you know, to me they were kind of different standards. But uh, nevertheless, that's where we are at. And, and to be clear, we have a no smoking policy in our parks, but you can have a policy that doesn't have the power of law behind it. So, you know, I have lots of personal policies <laughs> too, Kev, that don't have the backing of law. So, you know, that's where we're at. And you know, I we're going to see. In, in my point of view, I hope that. Um, my fellow council members are correct because it would be great if this doesn't become an issue and everybody uh, acts responsibly and we don't have a problem. So yeah. that's where we're at. Okay. Um, what about the other issues with it, like um, dispensaries and licensing for those? I mean, what what can the city do? What can't the city do? So uh, state the state will be licensing dispensaries. Okay. And they, as far as I know, haven't released what the criteria will be fully for, you know, who they would consider for a license. Um, there are population requirements for dispensaries. So, for example, if you're a city with population that is greater than 10,000 people, you're required to allow at least one license in your city. You could allow more if you choose to, but you're allowed one. And there's actually some legal wrangling right now because um, there's the next thresholds at 25,000. So there's some discussion about if you're at 10,000, do you really require two or one? And I don't think that's been sorted out yet. But you could you could allow more if you wanted to. And so that's kind of what the city's power is. We're required to at least give one, but we could give two, three, four, five, six, you know, whatever the number is. But we would be making those selections. The state would, right? Okay. Um, and so they're, they are in the process of forming what will be called the Office of Cannabis Management, which has not been fully put together. And that would be the entity that would issue those licenses. So it sounds like, you know, dispensaries in our city or any city for that matter, probably aren't most likely going to come into existence until the end of 2024 or perhaps 2025, depending on when that office can be established. Um, and so we're, we're going we're gonna to learn some things. But for us, we have read the Red Lake Nation uh, 30 miles or so up the road here, and they had been doing uh, medicinal cannabis. And because they're a sovereign nation, the first day this became legal, they, they did a recreational dispensary. And I know there's people who utilize that. Okay. So when, it, when and how it comes to Bemidji and any other town in the state of Minnesota is dependent on the state's office. Right. And okay. like I said, what the city will be able to say is, okay, we're required to give one license. That's what we're going to give. Or we're required to give one license, but we're okay. We want to give five, right? Yeah. Th- that's where the power of the city will come into play. Um, but I have some financial concerns about it as well, because based on my initial evaluation, 
it looks like we're going to get about one cent of every dollar that's spent as a municipality um, in a dispensary, for example, but we are required to regulate it, inspect it, enforce it, you know, those kinds of things. So I'll be curious to see what the cost of enforcement of these new cannabis laws look like for a city versus what is the revenue generated, and is that a net gain or net loss? I don't have those answers yet, Kev, but I'm, you know me, I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. So I'll be uh, looking really hard at that to see what that ends up looking like um, and see, see possibly. All right. Well, we've covered taxes and weed now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we continue to talk about the city manager. It looks like movement is being made on that front. Yes, um, it's, I think, uh, definitely a good thing. Um, we had approximately, I think, 33 is the number of applicants we had. And we're using a professional search firm, Baker Tilly, to help us kind of vet that and go through the process and recruit and do all of these things. And so they took that 33 and narrowed it down to eight candidates that they brought forth to the city council. And actually at 12 o'clock today, when this show is airing, mm -hmm. I will be in chambers and we as a council will be deciding who amongst those eight do we want to bring forth for a a series of in-person interviews perhaps. And so will that be two people, three people, four people, five people? I don't know what that number is. We're gonna decide that. But then we'll actually be doing um, a series of interviews which may very well include being in Bemidji face-to-face -face, and then we'll make a selection. So um, to me, that was good news because I, I think we're pretty close here to having somebody hired and I think it's pretty reasonable to think that in the next 30 days, we can get that done. Okay, and then it's a matter of what the requirements are from the city this person would be leaving and what what their separation clause is and stuff like that. Correct. But one of the things our search firm told me was that regardless of what their exit is from their current jobs, all of them have said they're willing to engage with our staff and with the city the moment they are officially hired. So they could still be working for another city, but ramping up for our city simultaneously, okay. which I thought was important because yeah. we definitely want that person to hit the ground running as soon as they get here because we're you know working through housing-related things. We're working through levy-related things, right? We have some new personnel in City Hall that need to be hired, including a, a new finance director. So we, you know, we really want that person to be as informed and ready and capable as possible. Okay. And... You said you've got eight candidates right now, and you're going to maybe whittle it down today. Yeah, I suspect that we will because eight's a lot of people to yeah. try to go through interviews with. And so, um, you know, every council member will have their input here, and we'll try to reach consensus on what that number is and who they are. And so right now they're candidates. So for the public's information, they're just known as candidate one, candidate two, candidate three, because until they've been selected as a finalist, they're merely an applicant. And so once we do select those folks as finalists, a part of that process would be uh, for people to know who they are. What, in your mind, are the key strengths you're looking for in the next city manager? Well, I would tell you, I think first and foremost, I'm looking for somebody who can build relationships and is a good communicator. That position is so critical because not only is it managing all of the staff in our city, it is that position that outreaches to our townships, to our tribal neighbors, to individual citizens, to businesses, to nonprofits. The list goes on. So somebody that can build relationships and communicate is going to be really key. And then again, somebody who has a lot of organizational skill because there's a lot involved in this job and you have to be able to multitask, you have to be able to prioritize, um, and you have to be able to see things through. So uh, for me personally, I'm looking for somebody that's got a high level of organization 
And last but not least, somebody who's innovative. You know, um, I, I, I love to have experienced people because that has a lot of benefit, but you also want somebody who can uh, be a little outside the box, who can come up with unique solutions that maybe other people haven't uh, noticed before, uh, maybe has a different perspective on things. And so to me, you know, I could go on and give you several other qualities, Kevin, but those are probably the top three for me. But again, I'm one of seven people, and, and I'm guessing if you interviewed every council member, they'd probably sure. give you a little different flavor of this, which is why we need to come together and, and try to move forward with you know the top three or four, whatever that number ends up being, that we'd like to, 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 to move forward with the process. And speaking for myself, Kev, I'm not afraid of a failed search, right? Obviously, I'd really like to get this done, but if we go through our whole process and there isn't anyone there that I feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. then I'm okay with starting over if that's what it takes. Because, uh, again, I think this position is so critical, we need to get it right. Okay. Um, and you had a fun event here in Bemidji this week that uh, kind of put a spotlight on us and, and, and kind of is a unique organization. It is. So this uh, week we hosted the organization called MRCTI, Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiatives. And MRCTI is an organization comprised of uh, 103 cities and towns all along the Mississippi corridor, all the way from Louisiana, all the way up to Minnesota. And so it's a mayor's organization. So in Bemidji, they had their annual meeting this week. We hosted it and we had mayors from about 40 cities, give or take, their staffs. We had dignitaries from as far as the Netherlands. Oh, wow. Yes, it was very unique. Um, We had some of our local commissioners there as well. It was a real broad spectrum of corporate business people, mayors, other elected officials. Senator John Hoffman was here. And we all came together (coughs) to discuss, you know, how we can work together to preserve the Mississippi River. Because there's a couple pieces to that. There's conservation. Mm -hmm. There's also commerce that takes place on the Mississippi River. And there's also a component of it that's heritage and history. And so MRCTI involves itself in all of those things. So we had all these mayors here. We had the mayor of Memphis here. We had the mayor of Baton Rouge. We had the mayor of St. Cloud right down the road from us and and all kinds of folks in between. And they got to experience Bemidji. And we had some pretty historic things happen. We did our welcoming ceremony in Redby uh, as guests of the Red Lake Nation Um, And that was just fantastic. Uh, Many people uh, along the river haven't had a lot of interaction with indigenous uh, nations, especially a sovereign indigenous nation. And so um, I think for them to experience that on site was important. Also, we signed the first ever memo of common purpose with Leech Lake, White Earth, and Red Lake and basically are saying we're all invested in protecting the Mississippi corridor. And there's a lot of things that need to be uh, figured out, details especially as we move forward. But it's the first time the organization, MRCTI, had ever engaged in an actual written agreement with any indigenous nation. First time ever. Mm -hmm. So, But yeah, we had a day here in Bemidji. We had a press conference down at Paul Bunyan Park with the mayors. We did that. We took them to the headwaters of the Mississippi. And they had a great experience there at Itasca State Park and crossing the source of the Mississippi and those kinds of things. And uh, last night as we were winding things down, we took the mayors on uh, some pontoons, uh, courtesy of Latitude 218. 
and had them have an experience on the lake where they could see where the river came in, where the river went out. We had a dinner at Rutgers. It was really good for them because for many mayors, their portion of the Mississippi isn't so clean. Mm, yeah. For many of the mayors, their portion of the Mississippi is a little dangerous as far as currents and you know sure. getting getting in the water and things like that. So for them to see all of this was a very unique experience. Uh, we were very well received. I received a lot of compliments about our community and our city and um, just wanted to pass that along because we do have a great place here. Yes, yeah. we do. I love to call it home, and uh, it was fun to show it off to my fellow mayors. Wow. So what are some of the initiatives that this group tries to take? Well, first, uh, they are really focused on funding. So a lot of the infrastructure dollars that are becoming available, for example, they work with cities to help you position your project so that you can access those funds, uh, specifically as it's related to uh, the Mississippi River. They uh, launched a huge plastics initiative to clean up the Mississippi and to get plastics out of that. And part of that was data collection. They developed an app where as you were cleaning up trash, you could drop a GPS pin of where you were finding it. So they were trying to track like, where is all these plastics coming from? And there's a desire to make plastics more recyclable and find a way to get rid of one-use plastics and finding a way to find better markets for recyclables so more cities can look at recycling plastic. So those are some of the things that they're involved in. But as I said, they also have a cultural and heritage component where they're looking to preserve some of the heritage and history of the Mississippi Corridor, a significant amount which includes indigenous history. Um, so they're a pretty unique organization. I think the city's been a member since probably back 2016. This conference was originally supposed to take place in Bemidji in 2020. But of course it was. We had COVID. <laughs> and so when I was elected in uh, 20 and, and took office in 21, one of my first phone calls was from MRCTI. And they said, hey, you were going to do this conference last year. Do you still want to do it? So I brought it back to the council and said, you know, what do you all think? And we voted unanimously to do it. Good. And so then it got rescheduled for 2023, and we've kind of been working on it here and there ever since. But, you know, it was a great community effort because we had partnerships from Red Lake, Leech Lake, and White Earth to help us do this. We had some really great corporate sponsors, including Stanford Health and Otter Tail Power and Paul Bunyan Communications. I could go on. We, we just had some really great community involvement. Visit Bemidji did a wonderful piece of this. Um, so it was just great to see our community come together and really show uh, other cities and other towns everything Bemidji has to offer. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap it up, so we talked about a lot of things that, that need to be done, like right now, that we're working on now. Uh, but if there's not planning ahead, if there's not vision, uh, you know, you don't make the great steps forward. So, so what are some of the things you and maybe other members of the council that you've talked to um, looking forward to down the road and, and wanting to accomplish? Well, I think housing is really at the top of the list. We know we have housing issues and events that took place both at Ridgeway and at Red Pine only highlighted that. So we, we've known uh, this has been a growing concern in our community and honestly many communities. So how do we as a city partner to create more housing across the spectrum, not just market rate, but affordable? Uh, how do we partner with developers to do that? How do we make sure our zoning and ordinances are uh, amicable to doing as much development? What economic development tools do we have to bring to bear? So I think housing is really important. Economic development is another huge piece of this, uh, being able to attract greater tax base and, and finding uh, 
companies that will provide better paying jobs, that will provide greater opportunities. You know, how do we recruit? How do we retain? How do we do those things? I think are really big uh, on, on the list. And um, I also think certainly last but not least, you know, we have to have some conversations about some of our uh, infrastructure. We know we still need a new fire hall. How are we gonna get that done? We know we've had issues at City Hall. Can we address that? How are we gonna do that? We know our road um, reconstruction rotation period is, is getting stretched out even longer because of inflation. You know, same dollars that you could do a mile of road in the past, now you can do three quarters of a mile of road. Mm-hmm. Um, so how are you gonna tackle those infrastructure things? And, and for me as mayor, I don't have to look very far. All I have to do is look at the nielsen Risi and see what happens when you don't take care of a building and when, it, when, when the check comes due all at once. So, you know, to me, those are some of the things I've heard other council members talking about as well. Um, we, have, we have big issues, um, and you're right. You don't get anything done until you vision and you start making steps forward. And so um, we've got more work to do. But we've got a good team. We're going to do everything we can to get, our, get the correct city manager that can help lead those efforts too, and we're going to move forward. Okay. Anything else before we wrap it up today? Uh, I'm just going to say uh, I think we've had a great fall week, and mm-hmm. you know we had a great summer, and it's coming to a close, and winter's coming. So I know we've got some more great events coming up, including the Monarch Festival that's going to take place uh, Sunday uh, at the AIRC. So hopefully uh, we'll see uh, we'll see our listeners somewhere out there enjoying these last few days that uh, are going to be nice. And I hate to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And again, the, the next uh, council meeting Monday. Well, technically, we have a special session at noon today. Okay. To to, right. to finalize city manager interviews, and then on Monday will be our next regularly scheduled council meeting. And the agenda, I believe, is posted for that. So, okay. If you're curious as to what's on, take a look, or by all means, come on down. George Prince is the mayor of Bemidji, joining us today to get us caught up with what's going on in the city of Bemidji. George, always great to have you in. Thanks for taking the time. I always appreciate the invite, and uh, thank you. That's it for Chat About. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining me today. Have a great weekend. Chat About sponsored today by First National Bank Bemidji and the Bemidji Chrysler Center Honda of Bemidji.